0: I'm running the race. What's going on, everybody? Place. Welcome to the Ross Project. This is where we debunk the of bullshit and fluff and talk about 100% proven tactics and strategies to help you grow your life and business. My name is Ivan Temelkov, and I'm your host. And, ladies and gentlemen, I'm honored to have Don Mansky joining me today on the podcast. Welcome, Don. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know what? I'm so ecstatic to have you on the podcast because I think it's been what, probably close to a month that I think we try to make this happen. Right. And, you know, because of things that, that, that came up. So I'm finally, finally ecstatic uh, to have you on the show and even more ecstatic to hear your story and Mm -hmm. what you're doing, because you're one of those influential people, like the truly live in the essence of influence and you're creating impact and change in the world. And I'm not going to throw a spoiler alert. So I'm going to let you introduce yourself, tell us in a few words, who you are, what you do, and uh, can't wait to hear your story. Well, thank you.
1: I'm Don Mansky. And I would say I am a social entrepreneur, entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. fighting to end human trafficking with style. And providing dignified employment around the world for those who desperately need it.
0: Very cool. So you said with style, what does, what does that mean with style?
1: (laughs) Well, I kind of live in two worlds. It's interesting. I got into made for freedom made for freedom was started because I was learning about sex trafficking and I was learning about human trafficking and this atrocity in our world and was absolutely horrified by what was going on and i started to see social enterprises that were fighting these social issues with business strategy and so i it kind of revolves around a pair of pants that i love a style of pants i should say that i got in thailand and they're called fisherman pants and i got these pants and I started learning about social entrepreneurship and I saw this atrocity called human trafficking. And I thought if these pants could be the foundation of a business that could provide, prevent, and provide restoration for these, for people coming out of this situation, I would do that. So that's how Made for Freedom got started. So I live in this very strange blend of human trafficking, fighting human trafficking and fashion. Yeah. So I end up at fashion events and start talking about human trafficking and people are like, huh, what are you, what? Yeah. <laughs> but then I end up at human trafficking, you know, anti-human trafficking events and start talking about fashion and people are like, huh? Yeah. So it's this constant, um, it's this constant blend of two, what seem to be very, contradictory not contradictory but not similar industries the illegal industry of human trafficking and yeah. how do we fight that in this massive industry of fashion and how it affects our world every day
0: yeah absolutely and i want to i want to dive more into that but first uh, i want to take it back a little bit because one of the things that i learned about you is that you spent 10 years living in china and i i'm i'm curious to know how, how did that happen? I mean, did you wake up one day and just sort of had this epiphany and was like, you know what, it'd be cool to go to China to help people, help kids? Can you talk a little bit about that? What was that experience like? You know, I
1: was a college student, and I remember seeing uh, college students demonstrating and protesting protesting. Because they were disappointed. They were frustrated with their government. They were frustrated with how the country was being run. And I remember thinking, huh, these are college students. I'm a college student. We probably have a lot in common. Obviously, there are differences. We live in very different countries, very different cultures. But I just, I started praying for these students. And a few days later, many of us will remember, uh, was the Tiananmen massacre or Tiananmen democratic crackdown in yeah. China. And that really spurred me on to go to China. I felt like God was calling me to China. Yeah. And I immediately I started looking for I lo- started looking in my college catalog to see if I could take Chinese to learn the language. I started looking for programs that would send me over to China during the summer in between my junior and senior year of college. And I just, I was all about China and there was nothing else that really occupied my mind, but going to China. And so Mm -hmm. I thought I was going there to teach English for a year. Well, I went for the summer and then I knew I was like, when I graduate, I need to go to China. And, I ended up being there for 10 years. So that was not what I anticipated, but that is what God had in store for me. Yeah. And that's where I was. So while I was there, it was interesting. Some of the things that I learn and I research now around human trafficking, I saw those things yeah. in, as I lived there, you know, we all know about the Chinese one child policy
0: mm-hmm, and the yeah.
1: preference for boys and one of the leading vulnerabilities for women in the sex trafficking. If we, as you're talking about sex trafficking is devaluation of the girl child. And that's, that's what is, ha- that's what yeah. was happening there. I would say it's much better now, but when I was there in the late eighties, early nineties, I would go visit orphanages, Because if a family is only allowed one one child and they really want a boy if they have a girl they just abandon them and so the orphanages were filled with little girls and the vulnerabilities of women and young ladies and girls in a society that doesn't value them that vulnerability is so huge so i'm visiting these orphanages and i'm I'm noticing that they're all filled. They're not completely filled with little girls, but the majority easily are girls. But then I also lived, I moved to a different city in China. I moved to Beijing and I ran into these kids. There were certain places in town. Beijing is a very international city. And there were all of these kids, maybe in around the 10 year old age range, that were just living on the street corners, it appeared. And every time I went by, they were begging or they were, you know, trying to sell me a flower that I didn't want or something like that. And a friend of mine came to Beijing because she wanted to make a change in their lives. Mm -hmm. So she started explaining to me, these kids had been brought to the big city by a boss who went to very poor communities in China and said, I can take your child to the big city. There are a lot of really amazing opportunities. They can get an education. They can get a good job. They can make a lot of money. And the families thought that that was the best thing for their child. And so that addresses one of the other major vulnerabilities when you're talking about exploitation and that's poverty. When you are poor when you have extreme poverty going on and you can't afford to feed your children, you're vulnerable to exploitation and those who will take advantage of you because you don't, you don't know what else to do. Like we need to eat. We need protection. You know, there are basic needs that if you can't meet those, you're going to do whatever you can to try. So I learned about these street kids and how they were being exploited Because of the poverty in their families and the little girls who were being, who were so vulnerable to exploitation in the foster system in China because they were a girl so fast. Well, and during my time in China, Mm -hmm. I mean, I had some amazing things. I love to eat Chinese food. I like eating with chopsticks, but I also took a little vacation to Thailand. And, you know, when you're in the United States and you want to go to a beach, you go to Florida. Or, you know, there are certain places we all go when we want to just take a vacation. When you live in China and you want to hit a beach, you go to Thailand. So I did a little vacation in Thailand and got these amazing, comfortable pants. They are called fisherman pants and fell in love with these pants. And that was something that kind of carried over years later that kind of led to Made for Freedom. But that time in China, getting a really uh, firsthand look at the vulnerabilities that affect people was really was really crucial and really helpful in the, building the foundation of understanding exploitation and how
0: yeah.
1: some of the things that are needed to fight it.
0: Yeah. You know, as you were as you were kind of talking about this experience and you living abroad and I think I was getting chills down my spine as you were explaining for a lot of different reasons. I think maybe because being an Eastern European, you know, having experienced cultural differences and like when you were talking about exploitation from poverty and suddenly it's like you're pissed about the fact that there's a long line at the drive through McDonald's. How about go to freaking China where people can't even feed their kids. Okay, so suddenly, when you compare, and if you force people to compare, they realize how much more grateful they need to be for what they have. Mm -hmm. And that was actually one of the things that kind of drew me to your story about human trafficking, because, you know, these are issues that are not talked about often enough in our society, right? You know, and these are things so, so for you, I think, You know, when you were talking about, and the reason I brought up, you know, 10 years in China is because I think that was that epiphany. I think that was that God's calling that was about to set you on a path, on a trajectory to truly create impact and change in a very, very messed up world that we live in. Because human trafficking is what a multi billion dollar business worldwide? It's insane. The people get, get, get exchanged for for sex and for slavery and i mean in 2022 still right how right. chaotic is that how chaotic right. is that and i think for me also it struck a chord as a father because i mean sitting here thinking and as you were explaining that you know these bosses were going into you know these, these poverty towns and they were exploiting kids and making empty promises in essence to, to their parents only to steal them away. Right. And I just couldn't ever imagine that happening to my kids. I just would probably lose my shit if that Mm -hmm. ever happened, but there are people in this world that are that cruel that don't have a conscience that would do that. Right. And What's actually ironic is over the last probably 4 months personally I've had some not so pleasant experiences that has really solidified the fact that there are some cruel people out there. There are people that want to physically hurt you and they will hurt people around you. They will do anything to get what they want. I mean anything. They'll even put a gun to your head or even kill you if they had to if it was a matter between more money and you They'll probably kill you because that's in Mm -hmm. essence what these bosses are doing to these kids. And what's really, you know, I think what's really ironic here is, is the fisherman pants that you said that you fell in love with in Thailand. I think that was sort of the next layer of, you know, brewing up this business idea that was going to support a truly powerful mission to create impact and change in the world of human trafficking. Right. And that's yeah. where made for freedom kind of came about is just that. And, and it doesn't sound crazy at all. I know you were saying earlier that, you know, you go to like these events, right. For like fashion and stuff. And like you talk about human trafficking, and people will look at you and be like, who's this woman? What the hell is she talking about? Right. But what people don't understand is I think as a society, we have become so brainwashed into the mediocrity of day to day. We mm. forget about things that truly matter. Like, I I can only imagine that if you like you go to these events, right, for your business, they're like fashion and style. And then suddenly you talk about human trafficking and people probably look at you crazy because they sort of have this, you know, this uh, I I shouldn't call it really an an epiphany, but that it makes them realize Mm. suddenly of how good they have it. The fact right. that you can wake up, that you can put clothes on your body, that you, you can you can have food on the table, you can have electricity, running water, you know, people take that shit for granted. They do. Mm-hmm. And you know, I I hate I hate to sound cool, but I think in American culture, people have become so brainwashed into like all these things that are that are really just just blessings in an essence. Right. Because halfway around the world, people don't even have running water. I mean, China is one of those countries, right? That like they, they struggle not only from a poverty standpoint, but I believe that there's a lot of pollution and there's also problems with running water because mm-hmm. it's so diluted. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people don't understand that. So let's talk more about made for freedom, your business. You know, what are you doing nowadays to support the fight against human trafficking, what steps are you taking? And what do people know to get more involved? Well,
1: the the fisherman pants, I'll go back to those because it's such, you know, when you talk about these fisherman pants leading to the business, it's not a real, it's not a direct path unless you kind of hear the story. But as you know, businesses, you're addressing an issue and mm-hmm. I will never say women in the United States need more stuff. Like that is not <laughs> like we're not lacking <laughs> stuff. Okay? Right. That's not the issue. So writing a business plan was not easy. But I saw a need. And that came from wearing these pants. And that that does sound a little bit crazy, but if you hear this So for my wedding, I asked a friend of mine to bring me more of these fisherman pants. She was Mm -hmm. teaching in China, in Thailand. And I said, could you please bring me some of these pants? I love these pants. I can't find them in the United States. They're super comfortable. She brought me several pairs of pants. That was a wedding gift. My husband bought me a pair of sandals that really helped me understand social enterprise more. So what do you think I was wearing the next day when we left for our honeymoon?
0: Fisherman pants.
1: <laughs> I'm wearing my new pants, of course.
0: Yeah.
1: And we're going through the airport and a TSA agent says, hey, I like your pants. Where'd you get those? When was the last time a TSA agent commented on your pants? Right. Know, right. <laughs> or any piece of clothing. And then the flight attendant on the flight was like, oh, I love those pants. Where'd you get them? And that was the beginning of literally like three months. People just coming out of the woodwork. I went to visit a friend at a hospital. A total stranger came up and she's like, I love your pants. Where can I get them? And yep. then walking in to get some ice cream, hey, where'd you get those pants? Those are really cool. And then a woman literally chasing me through a parking lot to say, oh my gosh, those look really comfortable. Where can I? <laughs> I'm like, this is, this is crazy.
0: Yeah.
1: So that showed me, okay. I'm not the only one that loves these pants. These pants are not available in the United States. What can I do? And I'm thinking, I don't wanna sell pants. My my goal in life is not to sell pants, but you take these pants and would, could these pants be the foundation of a business, a social enterprise using solid business strategies to fight this atrocity called human trafficking. Now, if we could work all of that together I would sell pants. And that was the beginning of Made for Freedom. It was, hey, creating jobs, providing dignified employment helps prevent exploitation. It helps with people who are living in a space where devaluation of the girl child is real, living in a space where extreme poverty is going to drive you to do things, to choices that you don't want to make where vulnerabilities are removed because you have a dignified place of employment. So providing dignified employment for those that are at risk but also providing dignified employment for those who have come out of exploitation and have a criminal record that it's hard to get a job, have insecurity, have trauma to deal with. Yeah. So this whole so it ended up being all about dignified employment. It it was no longer about the pants. I love the pants, but I will tell you our first partner with the pants started, they were actually in Thailand working with those who were vulnerable and those who had been rescued from exploitation. And after they made several batches of pants and they made some other products for us, they were doing a great job. They contacted me and they said, we are getting amazing opportunities for our ladies to further their education and start careers that's awesome that's phenomenal right that's what we want to do and then they continued in the email and said and we are no longer sewing oh stink (laughs) so we're now working with another center that's providing dignified employment for survivors so the pants are not available so if you're hearing this and you're like i want to see the pants just be patient We're going to get more pants, but in the meantime, we have connected with centers around the world, providing dignified employment for women coming out of red light districts, for women who were trafficked, from, taken from their home country, sent someplace else. We're providing dignified, our partners are providing dignified employment for marginalized artisans in India and in China and Thailand and Africa and the United States. Women coming out of domestic violence situations that, where they were incredibly vulnerable. So we have partners around the world making our products all centered around dignified employment, providing a good job, changes lives. So that's what we do now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, that is so powerful. And you said something that I want to touch upon. You said dignified employment, you know, um, and you talked about China, India, you talked about, you know, these rural countries around the world that are really struggling, you know, economically, they're struggling because, well, not just economically, but they're, they're struggling with social issues. They're struggling with, you know, poverty. They're struggling with violence, human trafficking, all of that. Right. And what's really important about what you said is is that I think it uh, articulates and it clarifies the difference between dignified employment and cheap labor, because mm. I think in America, um, like looking at companies like Apple, right? I'm a huge part of the businesses in China, the assembly, right? Of a lot of their products, you know, but what a lot of people don't understand is this is that they've actually created dignified employment for a lot of people, like mm-hmm. you said, and that's exactly what you're doing. I think that's so powerful because people in America don't understand that. Mm-hmm. If, when you put it into perspective, which I'm, I'm a huge believer of the fact that perspective is important. A lot of people don't have the right perspective. So they make assumptions on things they're incoherent about. So when you were talking about what you're doing, which is amazing, you know, you're, you're creating jobs that, that otherwise they didn't have, opportunities for education, opportunities for growth, and the ability to live a life that, that any decent human being should be able to, you know, but to your point is the study in China historically because of like, like you said, you know, a boy was favored. There was a limit to, to one, you know, one child historically, which when you were talking about that, I was getting chills down my spine. I'm like, okay, if I lived in China and I had a girl and I had to abandon her, like, like I'm dead as a person inside, I can't even fathom any mother or father that would rationally be capable of doing something like that. Mm -hmm. But when you're forced to do that, right. When you're forced to, and you have no choice.
1: Or when you have been raised and you don't, you really don't see a value for women. I mean, that's it. Sometimes it's forced. But sometimes it genuinely is the belief girls are not valuable. Girls are not important. Girls are just a drain, you know, in certain cultures, a girl, you have to take care of her. You have to feed her. You have to pay for her. And then when she's of age to be married, you have to pay a dowry. So it's just an expense. Whereas if you have a boy, they help you. They don't, they cost the same, but they're able to bring money in better and at higher levels, they're going to get married and bring a wife who can also help with providing things, you know? So it's, sometimes it is forced and sometimes like devaluation of the girl child, uh, their mentalities that people actually believe that we don't see that as much in the West. We, We still have issues like we women still get paid less for the same amount of work, the same quality, sometimes better, you know, so we still have things to work through, but nothing like we can see in some other countries and some other, other situations, but objectification of women, people who absolutely believe women are good for, you know, a couple things and yeah. We don't really need to mess with them other than that. So there's objectification of women, there's devaluation of women. And, and then you have all the other things like the insecurity, lack of family support, lack of friends, you know, poverty, all of the vulnerabilities. There's so many things yeah. that can make a person vulnerable, but it's growing up, absolutely learning and believing women are not of equal value women, women are not valuable at all. I mean, in, in some cultures, you find out that you're pregnant with a fee, with a girl and you abort it, you abandon it, you kill it when it's born. I mean, there are, there's a very good documentary called, um, it's a girl and it just, it talks about some of the horrible statistics and the stories around devaluation of the girl child.
0: Yeah. Wow you know, that, that was, that was so powerful, so educational, because I think a lot of people don't truly understand, you know, what we're up against. I I personally, am a huge fan and and optimistic enough to, to constantly be curious about what's going on around the world. You know, I mean, I got my world, but what's happening outside my world, right? Right. What are people struggling? And, and I know growing, growing up, you know, growing up in a a communist country. In fact, I I was up until nine years old. So I can relate to some of the things you mentioned that like couldn't celebrate the holidays until I was nine years old. I mean, if you put up a Christmas tree, you could be arrested or shot, you know, you just couldn't do that, you know? So I can relate to some of the things you mentioned, but wow, it's absolutely devastating. And I think what you're doing to raise awareness, which by the way, I want to talk a little bit about that, spend a couple of minutes, how can people get involved to raise more awareness around human trafficking? like or is there anything that you can recommend through your organization through your company? Can you share a little bit about that? Sure, I would love to.
1: So one easy thing is if you if you go to madeforfreedom.com and you find a piece on there that you like and you buy one of our necklaces, one of our, bracelets. If you buy a product from Made for Freedom, you know you are helping provide dignified employment for a survivor of trafficking or someone coming out of marginalization. And that's that's kind of one of our easiest things to do. Mm
0: -hmm. There's
1: also, if you go to the website and you look at the banner at the top, there's something about, and it says red flags, a PDF around red flags. And that'll take you to a page where you can download a PDF and it has some information like what are the red flags? So if you're walking, if you're in the store and you see a young lady, would you recognize the red flags that would signal, hey, I think she might be a victim of exploitation. She's got this person next to her who seems a little bit controlling or you're at a restaurant and you meet somebody, would you know how to identify a victim of trafficking if they were sitting next to you at a restaurant or on a plane or in a store? So being more aware of how to identify it, I think is incredible. So you can get that at our website. If you want to do even more, I meet a lot of people that are like, wow, this is so cool. And I want to buy a necklace. I want to share information but I want to do even more. You can also find a tab on our website that says go deep. And that is an acronym for "Dignif." Well, deep is an acronym for dignified employment empowers and protects. And that's what we've been talking about. I've been talking a lot just in the past few minutes about vulnerabilities. That's just the first of five key components of exploitation and and If you want to go deep, it would mean you kind of host your own little event. You bring mm-hmm. people to your house and you're like, I want to help raise awareness. I want people to understand what exploitation is about, what leads to it, what is helpful in getting people out of it. So going deep means it kind of, it's kind of like having your own home party and bringing along a presentation we have a video presentation that we provide and i go through the five key components of exploitation you have product that you can sell and then you are not only helping raise awareness helping people understand this issue but you're also a significant part of the solution by helping provide dignified employment so those are three things we also have a nonprofit foundation and I do video uh, conversations with people who are fighting exploitation in different ways and that you can find on YouTube and that's called Impact Conversations with Don Mansky. So I talk to people who in everyday life, in whatever they do, are helping fight exploitation. So it might be a biker, So Haas is one of my favorite interviews and he's this biker who is part of an organization that helps vulnerable children and movie directors who create movies that help people understand exploitation and how to fight it. So there are are lots of different ways and madeforfreedom.com is where you can find us and you can get more information. You can also find us on all social media streams at made for freedom. If you look for the hummingbird. Um, okay. But while I, while I'm talking about our product, I'm not talking about our product that much. I love talking about all of this, <laughs> but yeah. I'm just look. I'm seeing myself in the camera and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to talk about a couple of our pieces that are really, really popular. So this okay. is a stainless steel bar necklace and it has writing on three sides. It says, seek justice, love mercy, walk humbly. And this is Such a simple yet powerful piece with a strong statement. And we have people that come back year after year and they're like, this is my favorite piece of jewelry. I wear it every day because it goes with everything, but it also reminds me what I want to do in my life. Seek justice, love mercy, and walk Mm -hmm. humbly. Yeah. And then this one, this necklace right here, we have a gold version of this that has a heart that's cut out of the middle. This is silver. It's two pieces and it has a star cut out of the middle. These are made by all of our all of our pieces are made by survivors of human trafficking or those coming out of marginalization. But the inside piece of these is cut out, made into another necklace. Those mm-hmm. necklaces are given to girls still working in red light districts and told. We don't want anything from you, but we want you to know that you're valuable and someone wearing the other part of this necklace is standing for your freedom. So I love wearing this because I know the other part of the inside piece is being worn by someone who may still be trapped in exploitation, but they have been told that they are valuable and they have been told that there's more to life.
0: Yeah. That, that's extremely powerful. I, and I can tell how passionate and how committed you are. Um, and having said that, I'm sure this conversation could, could go endlessly because there's so much more that there's probably to this. But uh, I appreciate you sharing all that information, you know, that stuff that I most definitely want to include, knowing the significance of, of these objects that are made and what they mean and what they represent. Uh, the necklace also, and how people can involve, get involved, you mm-hmm. know, to, to make change, because uh, I'm a firm believer that one person can make uh, an impact in this mm-hmm. world. And I think you're doing your part, you know, in doing, doing, in doing that. And it sounds like you spent a, a good portion of your life doing that through your business and just other endeavors going all the way back to, you know, your first experience when you lived abroad in, in China. And then, really seeing it firsthand of like what was happening and then really getting involved. Um, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast. You know, this was an amazing conversation. I'm excited to, to get this out there, you know, and share with, with every, everybody and support you everywhere. You know, uh, I truly believe that what you're doing is something that just needs more awareness that people don't know about, you know, and it's one of those things that, I think a lot of people may may turn heads or not pay attention or truly don't acknowledge, you know uh, how how problematic this is, mm. you know how life threatening it is, really. And especially when you said towards the end, um, the piece, the necklace, and that's got the heart. I think that you're wearing is that half of it is uh, is worn by girls that are still in red light districts, and the the other half is by someone who truly believes that. They can earn their freedom. They deserve freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's so powerful uh, right there. But again, people don't quite fathom that. So thank you again for, for coming on the podcast. I truly appreciate it and was truly conversation in every way.
1: Nice. Well, thank you. I, it was good to be here. Good to chat. And I love sharing information, especially this month. January is National Slavery and Human mm-hmm. Trafficking Prevention Month. So I would encourage everyone to find out more. Keep educating yourself. Keep becoming more aware and learning what this looks like and how you can be part of fighting. I don't know what I say.
0: say